1: And now, your host, Pat Rouleau.
2: Hello, I'm Pat Rulo. Always looking forward to today, so I can share what I know with you. And this week, I know a lot, as I've been sky-watching lately. You may ask, what does the sky have to do with healthcare and hospital safety? Well... What's going on in the sky is having a direct impact on our health. Many of us have symptoms that we cannot explain. Our doctors don't have the answers other than to prescribe a medication that always has some sort of side effect, whether we feel it or not. It's a fact that I'm sure you'll agree with. What we eat, drink, and breathe has an effect on our bodies and ultimately the health or dis-ease of our bodies. Let me explain. Recently, a tiny feral kitten, a wild cat, found its way onto our deck. The mother abandoned it, and actually, one day I saw the mother take a mighty swipe at this little baby, leaving a hole in her neck and lots of missing fur. So naturally, we've been taking care of her. She loves to play on the deck and runs around chasing leaves and rolling acorns back and forth. And finally, just this past week, she decided to jump in my lap and let me pet her. Well, being her new mom, I've been spending a bit more time outside just to watch over her and play with the many fun cat toys that now grace our space. And as I sit outside, often lolling and rolling around the yard, this has caused me to pay attention to what's going on in the sky. Almost every day, as I play with the cat, I watch planes fly back and forth, leaving trails of white lines behind them. The trails last for hours and look quite different from other clouds. Many times days that start out sunny soon become hazy due to all of the trails. Are these planes on a new and bizarre flight pattern, simply leaving water vapors behind them? Or is it chemtrails, trails of chemicals being emitted from these planes? Well, because the idea and the word chemtrails leads some to think of conspiracy theories, I hesitated to talk about it with you. But that all changed as I began to spend more time watching the skies and doing intense research. Let me share. At an international symposium held in Ghent, Belgium, a few years back, scientists asserted that, quote, manipulation of climate through modification of cirrus clouds is neither a hoax nor a conspiracy theory. Unquote. It is fully operational with a solid 60-year history. The military-industrial complex stands poised to capitalize on controlling the world's weather. Going under a variety of names, atmospheric geoengineering, weather modification, chemical buffering, cloud seeding, toxic aerial spraying is popularly known as chemtrail, and this is a technique employed to modify weather. Now, the only conspiracy surrounding geoengineering is that most governments and industries refuse to publicly admit what anyone with eyes can see. And, as I researched, it's obvious that peer-reviewed research is available to anyone willing to take the time to wade through all of the scientific journals. So while there is some disclosure on the topic, full public explanation is seriously lacking. Here's more of what I found according to an article from the Center for Research on Globalization. Days after warning, I've got a pen and I've got a phone, and if Congress won't do its job, I'll do mine, Obama met with his national security team to green light a new climate change project. Call me the Rainmaker, he told the group assembled, alluding to the plan's code name Rainmaker. Reasons for a brutal winter in the United States finally explained. A heavily redacted copy of a classified report titled America Cools Down on Climate outlines the audacious plan to use commercial air traffic to mitigate the growing impacts of climate change across the United States. The plan falls under the category of what is known as geoengineering, the attempt by humans to slow, stop, or even reverse global warming by manipulating the environment instead of aiming to slow greenhouse gas emissions themselves. Geoengineering examples include injecting particles into the stratosphere to reflect sunlight back into the space, and dumping iron into the ocean to enhance the uptake of atmospheric carbon dioxide by oceanic phytoplankton. But such fertilization would come at the expense of creatures that make their shells out of calcium carbonate, and could potentially slow photosynthesis, the exact opposite of what the geoengineering scheme had intended to do? Well, according to an insider who insists on anonymity to avoid, as he put it, getting Snowdenized, the president assembled the Joint Chief of Staffs together in the war room last March to set the geoengineering plan in motion. According to the America Cools Down on Climate report, the country's extended drought spurred the president's action. The section reads, The prolonged and severe droughts in the country's agricultural heartlands are threatening our ability to feed our people and undermining our economy. We must take every step possible to provide greater amounts of fresh water to the Midwest and Southwest through manipulating large-scale circulation patterns such as the jet stream. Put simply, rainmaking, or more specifically, snowmaking, is a must. The report concludes that the most effective way to put the kibosh on the U.S. drought is to increase wintertime snow, which would provide a key water source in the spring when crops emerge. The best way to do that? Manipulate the jet stream to a more southern trajectory during wintertime to create a polar vortex that would create intense snowstorms. The report recognizes that this would mean harsh winter conditions for many parts of the country. This is from last year, but the report predicts Americans will suffer this winter, but consumers will be thankful next year when the price of a Coke drops, thanks to lowered high fructose corn syrup prices spurred by a bumper crop. Woohoo! Shouldn't be drinking Coke, and high fructose corn syrup is genetically modified poison. So much for that argument. Well, when General Martin Dempsey, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, reportedly asked of the risks of a political backlash, the president responded, Marty, if we can take down Osama on a wing and a prayer, manipulating the climate is child's play. Well, it may seem incredible, but it worked. Last winter, the United States saw repeated intense polar vortex episodes with one of the coldest winters in 20 years and snowfall breaking records in many areas of the Northeast and Midwest. And I ask, did you try to buy local peaches this year? Nope, not a peach one. All of the trees froze and may not come back for another three years. How about apples? Nope. Local grapes? <laughs> nope. So much for the nonsense talk about the climate threatening our ability to feed our people and undermining our economy. But hey, go grab a Coke. Jeez. So why should you care? Well, besides organizations, governments, and industry being arrogant enough to think that they have the right to alter nature, I ask, what are the health ramifications? How long can mankind exist while breathing, eating, and living in this toxic soup? Oh, that's right. We're worried about global warming and feeding our nation. So we chemically alter the weather to create what? Wow, does anyone else see the sheer stupidity in this? And because it is so obvious that humanity will not survive this constant onslaught of artificial chemicals landing on us, our food and our water, (laughs) I think that's where the whole conspiracy idea comes in. I mean, it's clear that spraying the skies with heavy metals is going to backfire because who are we, or who are they, to mess with nature? So if it's that obvious to simple-minded people, the smart government and big industry surely can figure it out too. So there must be something more to it. Just saying. If someone is so unbelievably arrogant to think that he is, quote, unquote, the rainmaker, (laughs) well, I'm going to stop here because I have a special guest with us today who is going to help make some sense of this. So let's get started. (music) You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, known for bringing you up-to-date information about health hazards seldom discussed by your doctors or seldom exposed on mainstream media outlets. Well, I decided to invite today's guest on the show after I did a search on the internet for chemtrails. So with that, today's guest is Russ Tanner founder of Global Skywatch, an organization raising awareness about the many dangers of geoengineering. Russ has suffered and recovered from mercury toxicity and educates others on how to do the same. He's been interviewed on numerous radio and internet programs and has published articles and given lectures on the dangers of amalgam fillings, mercury toxicity, geoengineering-related illnesses, and geopolitics. So with that, welcome to the show, Russ.
3: Hi, Pat. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So much to talk about. But today, let's focus solely on these chemtrails, since that's what initially led me to you. Give us a quick chemtrails for dummies version. What do the words, or what does the word mean, and and how long has this been going on?
3: Uh, The word chemtrail is short for chemical trail, and if you look up in the sky, it is those trails that you see coming out of jets. It uh, has been going on for decades, It has become increasingly apparent and clear in the sky that this has been concentrated uh, from the late 90s uh, and continued to appear in more and more cities throughout all the way up to 2005 to the point now where it's just about everywhere. And that's uh, that's what chemtrails are.
2: So now what's in these chemtrails?
3: The idea of chemtrails uh, came about by the public has learned about them from patents and from the talk in conferences that has been, have been going on around the world in conferences that are called geoengineering conferences. And this is where scientists get together and they study techniques for combating climate change. And one of the theories for combating this is by spraying pollution particles into the atmosphere or metallic particles to reflect the sunlight away from the Earth. Now, this is one of the theories. This is one of the uh, techniques that they wanted to use to uh, combat this. And so what we're seeing now mimics what we're seeing in the patents for this uh, process of geoengineering. We're seeing in tests around the United States and in Europe, uh, many people are testing rainwater. I myself tested rainwater. And to answer your question, what's in it, we're finding all kinds of things in the rainwater that are not supposed to be there that correlate with the spraying of these particulates, including aluminum, barium, strontium, Uh, Some people are finding mercury and other uh, toxic metals that really should uh, raise people's eyebrows. So this is being found in rainwater and in soil testing and in dust collections from air filter equipment. And it's being found way out of proportion. The test that I did in uh, Maine, near Bangor, Maine, showed aluminum in the water at 600 parts per billion, which is five times higher than that which is allowed in drinking water. By the EPA, and in uh, California, there are places where it's over a hundred times above the EPA limits that's allowed in drinking water. Very, very high amounts of aluminum.
2: Wow. So obviously, not safe for consumption.
3: No, no. Actually, it's just amazing because the rainwater is now too toxic to drink, mm-hmm. and it fits with the patents that show aluminum and other toxic metals. But aluminum is the predominant metal uh, that we're finding. And it just matches right up with the patents we see and the talk in these geoengineering conferences being held by scientists around the world. They say they're going to do it in the future, but yet we're seeing the artifacts of them doing it right now.
2: Mm -hmm. So what is that doing to the soil as well?
3: Well, this is a very big problem because not only is it destroying animal life, we've had numerous animal die-offs for those who have been paying attention over the past decade just unexplained. Nobody really knows what the problem is and what the cause is. Um, But what it's doing to the soil is it's raising the acidity of the soil, it changes the pH of the soil, and it causes lower production in crops. It causes root systems to shrink up because plants basically try to protect themselves from aluminum by limiting their uptake from the soils. Now, there is aluminum in soil naturally, earth, earth crust, but it's bound and it's not free for uptake by plants, and it's in a form called bauxite, which is why the, comp- the process for mining aluminum is very complicated and, and, and difficult because it's bound up. But this aluminum we're finding is freely available and is affecting and stunting the root systems in plants and limiting uh, their uh, their productivity. Right, right.
2: And they're probably not nutritionally as sound as they would be otherwise, and so we just perpetuate that problem when we eat the plants and the animals that are grazing and, and growing in that soil. I'm sure.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, aluminum uh, aluminum is very toxic to all life. You know, there is no biologically necessary function in humans or in plants, in any mammals for aluminum. It actually uh, is an immune suppressant. It's a neurological toxin. It's been associated with Alzheimer's disease. It's been Uh, With uh, thyroid issues, fatigue, joint issues, and uh, all kinds of deranged mineral transport issues in, in humans.
2: Well, I think the next obvious logical question is why are these being sprayed and who is doing the spraying? And I know that that's a huge topic that we can probably spend hours on, but maybe just give us a little bit of insight into that.
3: Yeah, it really is a huge topic. And it's kind of like a rabbit hole that goes pretty deep. But on its surface, um, the most the, the, there is no open admission. The governments all, de- uh, all deny that it's taking place. Yet in Bangor, I would see literally a jet every two minutes spraying. So it's a massive operation. And I have reports from people all over the world. I'm, I'm kind of a nexus for people who contact me about this. And and post on my website and on my forum and in my Facebook group. We have about 23,000 people in our Facebook group who are concerned about this right now. It's happening all over the United States and all over Western Europe. And what this tells us is that it's a huge coordinated government uh, effort because who else would have access to the airspace?
2: Right.
3: So it must be a government-sponsored operation or military operation, and it obviously just huge because it's coinciding with all of the geoengineering conferences that have been going on for the last 10 years Um, all over the world. The best guess that we have is that it is, uh, at least in part, for engineering the atmosphere to reflect sunlight.
2: So the politically correct answer is to combat global warming?
3: That is the politically correct answer, yes. I believe that there are multiple uh, causes that you can always go down that rabbit hole, and and, uh, it gets very, very compelling and very, very interesting the deeper you look. But uh, on the surface, that seems to be the official answer that's not yet being given to us, but it's being inferred by the scientific community and, and the government.
2: Okay. Well, I am going to take us somewhere, a little sidestep here, because just about a half hour ago, I received an email from one of our listeners who knew that you were going to be on the show. And I, I want to read to you and to our listeners what his answer is. He says, Atmospheric control programs are clearly an insanity at a functional social level. The discussion should be 100% focused on direct remediation efforts, not speculations as to the motives involved. Then he says, these are massively funded extermination programs controlled by insurance banking and geopolitical control groups operating through the United Nations. Geoengineering and weather manipulation projects are in fact an essential part of the United Nations Agenda 21 and are often directly sponsored by NASA. These programs are designed to impair any possibility of a national, regional, or populist resistance. Many populations will soon become too ill to protest effectively. The program objective involves complete and total control over the entire planet. It is not a religious experiment. It is an experiment in insanity, and no one will live to tell the story. I wasn't going to share that, but it just, as as we're speaking, I thought, well, what do you Uh say to that?
3: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I I can't say that I completely disagree with any of that. When you dig deeper into the people who are funding this and what their philosophies are, there are things that are pretty shocking to realize that people in the United States and in the United Nations do have population control agendas, unit, eugenics agendas, very strong. Eric Holder, the science czar, has very strong population uh, control beliefs, uh, even to the point of saying it should be done without, without public knowledge. So when you look at the results of a program like this, you can't say the scientists are ignorant of what the results are going to be. You can't say we're going to drop 30 million tons of nanoparticle or small particle aluminum on the population without knowing that it's going to shorten lifespans dramatically and it's going to cause tremendous illness, respiratory issues, suppressed immune system, opportunistic infections, neurological disease. That is what is going to happen, and any scientist would know that. So it's hard to, uh, it's hard to say that I could disagree with uh, with most of what was written in that email.
2: Okay. All right. I want to dangle that out there for, for folks that are listening. We're not going to go into that today, but Russ, you and I and my co-host on another radio show called Boil the Frog Slowly, we're going to go there. So to all my friends listening, you can visit the website to hear more about this and to hear our full interview with Russ at boilthefrogradio.com. So let's hit some of the other High points. I've had folks wondering, do commercial airlines that carry passengers, are they spraying too?
3: Well, there is uh, some speculation that some commercial airlines are spraying or involved in the process. I don't know that for sure. In my own observations, I've observed the sky all my life. I've always been into the technology involved in flying, and I've lived in the most busy airspaces in the world and I can tell you that the type of engines that are used on all large jets, which are, include the military jets and commercial jets, are called high-bypass turbofans. And high-bypass turbofans do not create trails, not long trails, not short trails, unless they're water injection, which are very rare. There are water injection uh, engines like the CFM Spay 512, which are used on the BAC-111s, for those of you who know anything about jets and planes. But those are, there's only about 50 of those in operation, and mostly in Europe. I've never seen a trail come out of a jet. Most people rarely, if ever, have, and that's because they don't produce those. So mm-hmm. it is happening over the populated areas, and these jets should not be producing trails to begin with. So just on a side note, I would implore people, if you look up and you see uh, airliners, uh, whether they look like airliners, or, or most of the ones that I see are, are blank, just silver, unmarked jets. I mean, in fact, that's all I've ever seen, except in the very beginning, I did see ones with red engines and a red tail, but I couldn't see any markings, but they flew very, very low. But there are a few people who've reported seeing jets that look like airliners, commercial airliners.
2: Interesting, interesting. And now I think that people are starting to catch wind of this. They're probably flying at higher altitudes so that maybe the trails aren't as noticeable.
3: That is exactly right. In fact, I saw that happen three times. I lived in Jamestown, New York. I moved to Bangor, Maine, and now I live in Philadelphia. And in each place I saw where they changed overnight, they changed the spraying from very low altitudes to the point where it was just astonishingly low. Like, why are these huge jets, 747s, DC-9s, 737s flying at such low altitudes, to high-altitude spraying overnight? When I first moved here about seven months ago, every single day it looked like a war zone in the sky. Absolute war zone. And I wonder why are people not noticing this? Yes. I know I've never seen anything like this uh, before this spring started. And uh, six weeks ago, all of a sudden, all the trails you can see are so high and so short that you can hardly even see them. So dramatic change in three instances. So it looks like it's trying to be kept from the public eye.
2: Very, very interesting. Now. As they're spraying, eventually it makes its way through the atmosphere and settles on the ground. If we're standing outside and we see these planes flying overhead, are we immediately being misted by that? Or how long does it take for the vapors to actually hit the ground or perhaps hit us?
3: Well, very good question. Um, There are some people, about 1% or 2% of the population, have a a very uh, accentuated sense of taste and smell. And that is how I became aware of this, besides being an avid sky watcher, because I do taste and smell it. I'm one of the lucky 2%. 2%. And let me tell you, it tastes like metal. It tastes like aluminum dust. And sometimes it tastes like acetone. Some people report smelling like paint, which is somewhat of an acetone flavor. And I've ta- paid attention to how long it takes to descend. And if when they, originally, when they were flying at the very low altitudes, it was only about 30 or 40 minutes before I would start to smell and taste it when they would start the spraying program each day. Um, now that they're at the higher altitudes, it seems to me it takes anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours to reach the ground in some cases i believe it stays aloft even longer than that
2: now you are witnessing yourself some of the the effects of this as far as a metal like say a metallic taste in your mouth are there other health symptoms that you're experiencing or that people that are sensitive to this would experience
3: absolutely there are a lot of symptoms that people are experiencing most of them yeah, let me just go for the big ones right off the bat. There's been a dramatic rise in aneurysms, strokes, heart attacks, and cancer. And this is what I've witnessed to the point where people contact me who don't know about the spraying. They go, my God, my God, what is going on? Why are so many people sick? Well, uh, small particle aluminum clogs up your capillaries and leads to aneurysms and strokes. I have a friend who works for the state, and uh, they had three aneurysms in their office during a very, very heavy spray day within an hour of each other, three had instances in Texas where we they had something like 70 plus transformers short out that were on the poles. they started arcing and shorting out and this is what happens when you put too much metal in the air and it becomes very conductive of course you cause cancer of course and we in science every scientist knows that the more particulates you breathe in and the smaller the particulates are the shorter your lifespan will be, and most people experience, you know, fatigue, headaches, sinus pain, muscle pain, joint pain, cracking joints, depression, even panic attacks, anxiety, hyperactivity, insomnia, even tooth decay because aluminum blocks calcium metabolism, anxiety, irritability issues, concentration issues, swelling, inflammation, heart pain, lung pain, ringing in the ears, changing in, changes in eyesight over time. And the list goes on and on, because these are very toxic substances, obviously.
2: You know what's rough about that list is that it mimics so many other horrible things that are going on, such as the radiation from cell towers and smartphones, and, and you know that sounds like the same list of symptoms that we talk about there. And that made interesting connect-the-dots moment. It's been proven that just a few minutes of holding a cell phone to your ear causes breaks in the blood-brain barrier which then would create an increased access for toxins, such as mercury and aluminum from these chemtrails to enter the brain, thus causing health problems and disease.
3: Absolutely, I mean, in fact, that's an incredibly uh, valid point. At the the National Institutes for Health website, there's actually a study that shows that when people are exposed to RF radiation, like from a cell phone or from uh, cell towers or other Hello, it
1: is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just
3: to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See
3: website for details. The RF radiation, it dramatically not only increases the permeability of the blood-brain barrier, as you mentioned, but it also increases the permeability of cell walls. So there were even military experiments decades ago that tested the concept of killing a population with very, very low levels of contaminants, but uh, combining those contaminants with RF radiation that made cell walls so permeable that otherwise benign toxin uh, levels became fatal. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is a very valid and very important point, that it does increase uh, the permeability of both the blood-brain barrier and cell walls.
2: And, you know, if you're really thinking that depopulation is the end game here, what a great way to do this. How can you point a finger at anything?
3: Well, that's extremely true. And, I mean, there are people like Henry Frederick Osborne, who were powerful or at least very influential in government back in the 30s and was a eugenicist. He was actually appointed to positions in government by Roosevelt. And people don't know this part of history, unfortunately. And he made a statement saying that eugenics goals will most likely be accomplished secretly and by uh, telling the public that it is being done by other means than eugenics. So the, again, the deeper you look down this rabbit hole, the more interesting it gets, especially when you look at people like Eric Holder and the people who are in government in powerful positions, what they believe, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it gets very, very interesting very quickly.
2: Absolutely. And, and today's goal is to touch that surface and, and kind of excite people to do a little bit more research. Now, I was thinking uh, also this morning, there's big news here in Northeast Ohio about the enterovirus D68, the respiratory virus that seems to be going around that's attacking young children in school. And you see all these hospitals with little kids on respirators and all. And, and you just mentioned the spraying obviously causes respiratory problems, outbreaks of respiratory illnesses. There could be a connection.
3: Absolutely. I will tell you this, is that I had a heart attack in 2011, and um, that heart attack was caused by inflammation and by primarily a depletion of potassium in my body. Now, barium, one of the substances that are used in the spraying, has caused me tremendous heart pain. I stayed in the hospital for four days. On the second night, they sprayed Bangor, which is where I was so intensely that I had to have a friend bring in some wet washcloths that I put over my face, and I call it a wet mask, and I had to breathe through that all night because it was just a horrible night of spraying, horrible, horrible night of spraying. My nurse, who was supposed to come by several times for some tests, was gone for an eight-hour stretch. And make a long story short, the nurse showed up eight hours later and said, I am very sorry, I don't know what's going on in this hospital, but everybody gets sick at the same time. We have respiratory issues, heart issues, and they call in people, and I've been called to other floors to deal with this. And I'm laying there saying, well, I know exactly mm-hmm. what's going on as somebody who can smell and taste the intensity of this in the air. But because these people don't smell and taste it, they don't make the correlation. Yep. And everybody is suffering on some level. If nothing else, your lifespan has already been shortened by it.
2: And I'm sure that people are asking the question in their minds, is this legal? And you've got an excellent page on your website that goes there. So I really encourage folks to look that up. But help us briefly with that.
3: Absolutely. Uh, very interestingly, I do have a page on, the, on our website that talks about public law 105-85. I encourage people to look it up. Uh, this is called the use of human subjects for testing of chemical or biological agents. And basically what this law says is the government cannot test anything on the public unless, and here I quote, unless it's for any peaceful purpose related to medical therapeutic, pharmaceutical, agricultural, industrial, or research activity, or any purpose directly related to protection against toxic chemicals, biological weapons, and agents, or any law enforcement purpose, including the purposes related, purpose related to riot control. So basically you say we can't test anything on the public unless it's for any reason we want. Right. That's what the law says, and I encourage people to look up Public Law 105-85 from November 18, 1997.
2: You can't do it, but here's the places you can do it, and there's nothing left out.
3: Exactly, exactly. It's just, it's incredible, incredible irony. People don't know that laws like this exist in the United States.
2: Mm-hmm. And then tell us about the consent portion of that.
3: Here's how consent works, is that in this law it says uh, informed consent is required, so the Secretary of Defense may conduct or test an experiment on the, uh, on the public, but informed consent must be obtained. The problem is, is that, and most people and lawyers look at this and say, oh, well, informed consent, that means we would all know um, it doesn't mean we would all know because this law falls under the purview of commerce law, the uniform commercial code law, and that is completely different because informed consent under the UCC means that as long as we publish the law in a place that's accessible to the public, right. then you've been informed. Right. So it's a completely different mentality. This law is publicly available for people, so therefore it considers the public as consenting to the testing.
2: Right, they're saying, we've given you your due notice, and since you didn't speak up and say anything about it, that was your silent consent.
3: Exactly, which is why when you go to court, they say ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uh You're responsible to know the, you know, five billion pages of law that that exists in the world today or in in your country.
2: All right, so now that we know that that law is there, what can we really do about it? So as an individual person, what can we do to deny consent?
3: Well, the number one thing we can do right now is denying consent is good, but we have to have denied consent on a mass scale. There needs to be a mass uh, awareness of what is going on because without the proper numbers of people, we're not going to have the political clout that we need to get the uh, po- politicians to be uh, responsive to this issue. So the number one thing to do right now is wake up your neighbor, look at the testing, visit our websites. or several websites you can go to to get detailed information, soil tests, do your own rainwater tests because they're coming up high in aluminum all over the place. That's the first thing. The second thing is you can file a notice of non-consent with your local government, and eventually when we get enough of those filed, we can go to court, demand that the spraying stops, and take it from there. Of course, they deny that the spraying is taking place at the moment, which makes it rather difficult. But nevertheless, waking up the public is our first step right now.
2: And this is at your website, this information?
3: Yeah, you can get all of this uh, from our website, yes. All
2: right. And and will you tell us that again?
3: It's globalskywatch.com.
2: All right. Wow. So are we missing anything? I know we're missing lots, but just overview today, is there anything that we should be touching on that we're not?
3: Well, the bottom line is is that the deeper you look at this subject, the more you turn up, the more you realize that people in high places of government have belief systems that if you would know how they look at the public and view the public and the contempt they have for the population, they never should be in the positions that they're in. So this subject goes very, very deep. I encourage people to do their research and learn on their own and, and And uh, please wake up your friends and neighbors about this before too many people get sick, too many more people get sick or die from it.
2: Absolutely. We're only touching the outermost points of this topic, so I encourage everyone listening to visit Russ's website, globalskywatch.com, and check out boilthefrogradio.com. We'll have a full 52-minute interview with Russ on that website as well. Russ, thank you for sharing your expertise with us today.
3: You're welcome. My pleasure, Pat. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Hey there, ladies. You have the right to be comfortable during medical exams, procedures, treatment, and recovery. Ditch the standard dingy faded hospital gowns and get snazzy. Bring your own. How? Well, listen, as I spend the next two minutes with Sharon Linder, founder and CEO of Get Janes, she's got you covered. Sharon, tell us why Get Janes patient gowns for women are important, not only for our comfort, but for our self-esteem. Well, I think
4: there's a real difference, Pat, when you go into a doctor's office or if you're in the hospital and you are wearing something comfortable and you feel covered and you feel secure and actually a little bit stylish and you don't look like everyone else in a positive way. I think that there is a feeling of empowerment and I believe that it makes your whole examination, your time in the hospital much, much more comfortable.
2: I agree. And my next question is, can we really bring our own? Yes. I see many, many people coming to my
4: website and actually also in doctor's offices coming in and um, instead of when they're handed the gown to put on or the paper sheeting to put on, um, as I do, I tell the nurse, no, thanks, I have my own. And you just get a total positive response. First of all, the nurse wants one (laughs) or wants to know where she can get one. And uh, the doctor comes in and just Hey, looking good. I mean, it's all positive, yes. And you are allowed to bring your own. I think doctors are glad you are because they save on uh, laundering costs.
2: There you go. That's how to be an e-patient, empowered and engaged and eager to stand out, huh? Absolutely. All right. Sharon, thank you for sharing yourself and Jane's with our listeners today. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And folks, remember, visit the website, getjanes.com, and order one for yourself and for your friends. What a great gift for a hospital patient, a new mom, And remember, it's okay to bring your own. Visit GetJanes.com or call 866-602-8398 and ask for Gail. I can't tell you how many times people reach out to me and ask, I'm going to the hospital but don't have anyone to be my advocate. Can you help? Well now i have the answer as a family member or friend of an elderly person you want to be there every minute of the day but you simply can't senior helpers can help they can monitor your elderly loved one while they are in the hospital so that you can get some rest their professional locally based caregivers are available 24 hours a day to give you the peace of mind that your loved one is not alone services can typically be provided in the following facilities hospitals nursing homes continuing care retirement communities assisted living centers and the benefits of their sitter service are huge a watchful companion for your loved one peace of mind for you and access to quick start home care services think of that senior helpers can help your loved one while they are in a facility and then provide care when they transition back to home contact senior helpers today and share this with friends to learn more about Senior Helper's Surgery Assistance and Sitter Services, call Senior Helpers 1-877-922-STAY. That's S-T-A-Y. They're local and serve Cleveland, Akron, Canton, and Medina. Call them today at 1-877-922-STAY. Senior Helpers care and comfort at a moment's notice. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. so happy to spend this hour with you to help you survive any healthcare or hospital encounter. Well, today, we have a special friend and a frequent voice on this radio program here to join the boys in a rousing game of, are you in jeopardy or are you safe? She is Hari Khalsa, the healthcare whisperer, a patient advocate, a guide, a patient's best friend. If and when you need help navigating this most of the time confusing and complex healthcare system of ours. Welcome to the show, Hari.
6: Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm I'm ready for the games.
2: Well, now this is not your first game show with us, but it's your first time at Jeopardy, right?
6: Oh yes. All
2: right. Yes. All right, so let's introduce our players. Now entering the studio with today's contestants.
1: I'm Bob, I'm a financial former financial planner from Gatlinburg, Tennessee.
5: I'm Eric. I'm a regionally famous radio producer from Northeast Ohio.
6: I'm Hari Culsa and I'm President of Healthcare Whisper, a patient advocacy company. These people will compete today on
2: Are you in Jeopardy? or are you safe? All right, so there we have it, all of our game players and contestants. And plus, we have our dedicated to patient safety listeners from all over the globe. All of you will compete today on Are You in Jeopardy? or Are You Safe? All right, guys, you ready? Let's go for it. Let's do go. it. All right, ready. Good crowd. All right, here's the first scenario. You need to get a diagnostic MRI. There's a local freestanding facility close to your home. You make an appointment and think, it doesn't matter where I go. They wouldn't be in business if they weren't safe. Are you in jeopardy or are you safe? Go ahead, Bobby.
1: I think you're in jeopardy because you don't know if that's a first thing you want to do is find out if that's a, a certified MRI company, making sure they're certified to do that.
2: All right. Good idea. Anyone else?
5: Yeah, I would say jeopardy. Uh, sounds like uh, whoever that is just uh, picked name out of the phone book and didn't do any further research <laughs> than that.
6: Yeah, I agree with uh, everybody, and if if you do your research, there's a good possibility that it's safe, but you have to do your research.
2: Exactly. It could very well be safe. One thing you could do, ask if they are certified by the American College of Radiology.
6: If it meets all the criteria, then yeah, it's it's good. Then
2: you're safe. All right, good. We're safe and not safe. Excellent. Right. (laughs) All right, here's scenario number two. Your daughter attends your doctor visit with you. She asks about some of your medications. The provider refuses to share that information and cites the HIPAA privacy law. Are you in jeopardy or are you safe?
6: Well, can I go? Oh, yeah, please. I would say that you're in jeopardy because you, if you've okayed for your daughter to talk to you, you've brought her with you, then she has every right to have that information. And if you don't want your daughter to know and you've told the doctor that you don't want her to know, then you're safe. But I, I would say...
5: It's a Jeopardy issue in that situation. I would say uh, I think if you've uh, bothered to uh, bring your daughter with you to the appointment, you probably do want her to um, know about this stuff. So, yeah, I'd say Jeopardy.
2: I agree. What do you think, Bobby?
1: I think if you bring your daughter, definitely you've done it for a reason. And the reason is she needs to know.
2: I agree, even when the patient is not present, I understand, or it's impossible because of emergency circumstances, that a doctor can share that information with the person when when they're exercising their professional judgment that it determines that doing so would be the best interest of the patient. I mean, that's what HIPAA is all about, ultimately, isn't it, Hari, that it's something that's in the best interest of the patient?
6: Right, right, that's what it's supposed to be, yes.
2: All right, not all the time.
6: Mm, not all the time. Okay.
2: All right, guys, here's scenario number three. You have to get up every morning at 5.15 to get ready for work. You sleep with your smartphone under your pillow and set the alarm. What a handy-dandy way to wake up. Are you in jeopardy or are you safe?
5: I want to say jeopardy Yeah, due to uh, radiation.
2: You got it. What do you think, Bobby?
1: Well, we know for a fact that the radio frequencies are, could be dangerous. So you don't want to get them that close.
6: I agree with everyone. You have to, I mean, we don't really know. There's not enough research data to know really what's going on with all the radiation from all these devices that are being emitted everywhere. So I would say Jeopardy.
2: I agree. I say don't sleep with your phone. Bedtime is the time to rest and rejuvenate your body and not bathe it in any potential radio frequencies. All righty. Here is scenario number four. Your 85-year-old grandfather visits a new dentist and, by the way, has excellent dental insurance. The new dentist sends him home with a treatment plan that includes three root canals. Is your grandfather in jeopardy, or is he safe?
6: I'm happy to take that one. <laughs> I'd say he's in jeopardy. First of all, there's no insurance that's going to pay for three <laughs> for three root canals. That's the first thing. And second, unless he'd been complaining, because I don't have the information, unless he'd been really complaining of pain, uh, I would be really surprised of three root canals all of a sudden. I mean, it could be, but that I, I'd have to really question that.
5: Exactly. Yeah, well, Jeopardy. Well. Um, set for such a drastic <laughs> course of treatment, you'd want a second opinion.
1: <laughs> it's a little questionable, taking advantage of seniors. So I think you're in jeopardy.
2: And Eric, you mentioned a second opinion. And Hari, we did a little segment once on second opinions and how, wow, if you get an unusual or a sudden diagnosis, I think a second opinion is always in order, don't you?
6: I agree, and sometimes all you need to do is take your x-rays. If that's, I mean, that's how they would have to have diagnosed a root canal and get at somebody else to look at them.
2: Anytime you get a bizarre diagnosis, have someone else look at it. All righty, here's scenario number five and our final one. You receive a medical bill for items you never incurred. You get the runaround during every phone call to dispute this. Are you in jeopardy or are you safe? Oh, I definitely think you're in jeopardy there. If I know they're
1: wrong, I'm going to raise Cain about it.
5: Well, this doesn't really sound like a health concern, Mm -hmm. but uh, I could say that your uh, financial health is in jeopardy.
2: Absolutely.
5: Your mental
1: health is too, Eric. That's true. (laughs) It's the stress level of it.
6: Oh, I agree. I agree. Because especially if it's a large bill, Mm -hmm. you know, with a lot of like so many hospital bills are like that, things you didn't have, and those can be very costly and Billing offices don't have any trouble sending this off to collections if they don't get what they want and, you know within a, what they consider a reasonable time, which is usually three months. So, yeah, I think you're in jeopardy, and you have to act fast, which push comes to shove, uh, and you're not getting what you want. My next stop is the state attorney general's office.
2: Oh, that's a good idea, because I was thinking the same thing, because as soon as you don't pay it, boy, it goes to your credit scores, and they those still get reported, the medical bills that you don't pay, even if they're wrong, and then it's almost impossible to get them removed. So, yeah, you help people with this type of thing, do you?
6: Oh, yes, yes, yeah, and I can definitely help with it, billing issues.
2: You've got like a million-dollar hospital bill, and you say, oh, no, I never got that medication. Well, how do you prove that?
6: Medical records, you have to get your medical records. So here's the process, you sign that HIPAA form, mm-hmm. go down to medical records, get a copy of your medical records and get someone who understands what they're looking at. Well, the other thing is you have to get an itemized bill. So you really have to see exactly what they charge you for and how often, and then look at the medical notes. And then you have to put it together and you have to contest it. And that's the only way that you're gonna get the bills resolved. And it's an endless fight and it can go on for a very long time. But you can't give up.
2: And who can do that when you're sick? So I'm going to suggest that if our listeners have any questions, need help, they can contact Hari. How can we find you, Hari?
6: Uh, You can call me at 866-980-4325, 866-980-4325, or my email is heal, H-E-A-L, at healthcarewhisperer.com.
2: Well, thank you, everyone. We had a lot of good information. Thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. And Hari, thank you for being with us today.
6: Thank you so much. I really had fun.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not sure who won that, but I think you're all winners. Yeah, no, well, I just want my rice aroni. What's with the rice It's the Jeopardy. <laughs> 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 he, he, he thinks that's
1: a parting gift. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have that than the Borough Hill furniture. No,
5: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take a copy of the home game.
2: Oh, that's right. We need a home game of this. (laughs) You guys, well, listen, thank you, everyone, for playing our newest and our most fun game ever. Are you in jeopardy or are you safe? Don't go anywhere. There's so much more you can learn about healthcare and hospital safety on America's favorite and perhaps only patient safety radio show. Speak up and stay alive. Radio. Thank you, Hari. Oh,
6: that was great. I I love your games. Only any time for your games. I get such a kick out of
2: them. (laughs) Are you looking for a relaxing and rejuvenating spa experience? Aren't we all? Well, I found the perfect place. Listen as I spend the next two minutes with Lisa Stewart owner of Solia Spa in Brecksville, Ohio. She has the experience and knows how to exceed your expectations. All right, well, Lisa, tell us about the services you offer at Solia Spa and how they just might be different from every other spa.
7: So we offer skincare, different facials, different kind of skincare treatments for the face, and then also massages, body wraps, And, of course, nails as well. We look at the skin and we we address extrinsic aging, which is outside aging, and intrinsic aging, how the body ages from the inside. Core is education. So it's really important for us to educate a client, talk to him or her about their skin, their concerns, what we think, or we just want them to do what's right for their skin. Solia Spa is in Brecksville, Ohio, which is south of Cleveland. And our phone number is 440-526-0522. You can find us on the web, soleaspa.com. Solia is S-O-L-I-A. I appreciate your being here. Thank you. It's a blessing. Thank you so much. Relax and rejuvenate your body
2: and spirit at the luxurious Solia Spa. Choose from a variety of massages, body scrubs and wraps, skin care, makeup, and nail care. Their professional staff is trained to help you select appropriate services and provide impeccable personalized service for an experience that exceeds your expectations. Welcome to Solia Spa, located at 6909 Royalton Road, Rexville, Ohio. Or call them 440-526-0522. And be sure to visit their website, soleaspa.com. You're listening to Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, and I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. Short on time today, but just a reminder. If you belong to a church, club, a group, or any kind of an organization that needs a speaker, I'm here for you. Give me an hour, and your group will walk out saying that it was the best presentation they've heard. And if you want testimonials, check out the bulletin board link at our website, speakupandstayalive.com, or call or email me, and I'll give you the names of prior attendees and meeting planners. We're fun, fast, informative, and so not boring. Call me to schedule a date and a time. 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. Or you can email me at pat at com. Oh, and be sure to come back next week. Russ Tanner, today's guest, will be back to talk about your mouth, dental fillings, and mercury. Want to talk about a health hazard? That's something everyone needs to hear, as I'm sure there is no one under age 20 on the planet who does not have a filling. That's next week. Same time, same place, but never the same information. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. And be sure to watch the skies. I am Pat Rulo, and I am your guide to safe and successful health care and hospital encounters.
1: Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.